With that being said, though, why don't we ask the Lord's uh, blessing upon our time here and then dive right into uh, the Advent candles. Dear Holy Father, again, uh, we're just so grateful uh, by your grace that we have uh, made it through another year, another round of celebrating uh, Christmas, and our minds and our hearts are focused on that, that great reminder that you became flesh and dwelt among us. By your grace, we are in this room here redeemed by your, your son's perfect life, his death and burial and resurrection that we will celebrate only a few months from now. So, Heavenly Father, help us again with, with eyes anew to remember and to see what Advent is all about. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, again, the word Advent means to anticipate. And so, as we've been going through the Advent candles here, we've been working on what we are anticipating. And obviously, what we're anticipating is the day that Jesus came. And as we went through these, what we're going to do right now, and um, if you want to follow along, you can in your Bible, but I'm going to be going from one verse to the next rather quickly. And um, I'm not going to wait for you to catch up. So, I'd really encourage you, as I read these passages, to listen to the Word and allow that to sink into your heart and mind instead of trying to find it right now in your text. When we had the opportunity to light the candles, the first candle is hope. And we see the hope candle here. And that was the promise of hope. And we, that Sunday we went through all the way back where we see that first glimmer of hope that was going to come about, that first glimmer of hope into the darkness. And we saw that in Genesis 3.15. Where in the middle of Genesis 3, we have the curses being poured out on Adam and Eve before, before their great rebellion against Almighty God. When they said to God, we know better. And we're going to do our own thing and we're not going to follow you because we think that we know better than you. And as those punishments were handed out, and as the consequences for sin was being poured out, in that middle of judgment, there was not just a glimmer of hope, there was a beacon of hope. Listen to what it says. Jesus, God saying this in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This promise of deliver that would come and destroy the serpent of old. This wounded deliver that would come and crush Satan, destroying the works of Satan. Later on in John, one of John's epistles that he wrote, in 1 John 3, 8, John says this, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning, hearkening back to the garden. And here's what he says, For this reason the Son of God appeared, was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and that hope of deliverance has come. And this is what we celebrate, and this is why we light the hope candle, reminding ourselves that we do not grope in the darkness as those who have no hope. That this hope candle reminds us this is not just a hope that I hope everything's going to work out. This is a hope that is anchored in the promises of God. That just as he has been faithful in the past, he will be faithful today and tomorrow. And so as we even look, then turn the page on the new year, we are not standing here wondering what's going to happen. But what we do know, that even though we don't know what's going to happen, God does. And God was faithful just like he has been in the years of the past. He will be faithful in the years to come. And so our hope is a hope that is anchored in the promises of God. And Jesus literally is that hope that came. And next, we moved from hope, we moved to the candle peace. And it's interesting that we went from hope to peace because without the hope in God, without our 
focus on God, we have no idea what these relationships are going to look like. Because in Isaiah 9, 6, when it's describing this child that's going to come, as we see the development of this promise that who is this offspring? Remember when we were back in hope, every child that was born, is it going to be this kid? No. Is it going to be this guy? No. Is it going to be this one? And then Isaiah starts telling us about this kid that's going to be born, this child that is going to be born. And here's what he says in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The child that was to be born would literally be known as the Prince of Peace. Now, in the world we live in, we know that there is not peace. I mean, there's even songs we sing about it that, will we have peace on earth? I don't know. I'm not sure. Will it happen or not? Because we will never have peace on earth between man to man until we have peace with God. Until man gets his heart right with God, all of these other relationships are just going to be one more issue after another. And I would encourage you, as you look around and you start going, why is it that I struggle with my relationship with one another? And I would argue it's because your relationship with God is not right. Because look at what John tells us again. This is Jesus speaking in John 14, 27. Here's what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace that Christ gave was to be that mediator between God and man. Because one of the most wonderful things in front of us is that we have a holy and a righteous God. That is a wonderful truth. But it's not a very good truth when you start to realize real quickly, wait a minute, I'm a sinner that's going to stand before, before a righteous and holy God. There's got to be something that's going to happen because I know I stand condemned. But what does Advent remind us? That Jesus came to take our place, to stand as that go-between between God and man, that great mediator. The Bible clearly tells us that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's why we look to him and Him alone, and that's why we can light the peace candle with that knowledge of knowing again in our hearts that this peace is not a superficial peace. This peace is a peace that will come and last forever. That we get small glimpses of it now, here and there, but one day the Prince of Peace will come and reign forever. And we long for that day. That's why the next candle that we'll light here soon is the, the joy candle, the promise of joy. It's interesting in Zechariah 9.9 where Zechariah is proclaiming that Jesus is going to come and this Messiah is going to come and actually be riding on a colt when he comes in to Jerusalem. Listen to the way this describes it. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Rejoice, the king is coming. This is where we see one of the beautiful things as you walk through the Old Testament, you will see that these promises are pointing to that Messiah that these promises that we see are starting to unfold. And that's why the kids are up here and able to read Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, showing us that the promises of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We need to look no other than Jesus Christ and what He has done. That's why this season is a rejoicing season. Rejoice, your King is coming. And we would even say your King has come, which will light 
the candle here in a moment, the center candle, that the king has come. We no longer need to be looking. We no longer need to be groping in the darkness trying to find that deliverer. The king has come. That's why Paul can write in Philippians 4, 4 through 5, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And what is our response to be? Rejoice. This is why one of the great songs that we sing during this time, it's, we don't sing happiness to the world. What do we sing? Joy to the world, because the world is to respond in joy, because literally the King has come. And He is here in the, literally in the body of Jesus Christ. When we see that joy, we can light the candle of joy with, with the expectation of knowing that one day, even though right now we can say that there are moments of joy, to have joy that will never fade, standing one day before the throne, we long for that day where sin will no longer be coming in trying to destroy that joy that we can have when we stand around the throne. And then as we turn our hearts to this candle of love. And this last Sunday we walked through love and we talked about probably one of the words love has been so destroyed by our culture, has been so used and abused and everything else by our culture that really no one can truly say, I think I know what love is, but there's a reason for that. I would say Satan has been attacking that from the very beginning because in John 4, 8, it literally says God is love and what is Satan going to want to do? destroy any understanding of love, because if he can do that, he, we, then he struggles with our understanding of who God is. But when we walk through what love is, we looked at that wonderful passage that Revelation talks about, but Isaiah 25, 8 reminds us that because God has said what he has said out of love and what has caused him to respond as a saving work of salvation. In Isaiah 25, 8, pointing to that one great day where death will be swallowed up forever and the Lord God will wipe away all the tears from all of our faces and the reproach of His people will be taken from all the earth. And then this fantastic line at the end of Isaiah 25, 8, it says, For the Lord has spoken. Do you want to know, I mean, this last week, we literally sat here in a room and said goodbye to a loved one. And we all knew that, that we could all tell in our hearts, this is not how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be sitting here crying about a loved one. We know that that is not to be because we, our tears and our, and our sorrow and our hearts come out when we look at that. And we long for the day when death will be no more, all tears will be wiped away. And how do we know that's going to happen? Is that just a pie-in-the-sky hope? Isaiah reminds us, he literally says, For the Lord has spoken it. It is as good as done. Nothing more needs to be said. It doesn't matter who you think you are. When you are God and God alone and you have all the power in the world, when you say it, it is done. Now, I know about you guys. As a dad, I try to say to my own kids, like, Dad has spoken. All right, nothing more needs to be argued. But it only goes as far as Dad has the power to say, Enough, all right? And then the kid's looking like, what are you going to do about it? But when you're the almighty God, when you say it, it's done. That's all you need because you have the power to do it. Jesus came to destroy death and out of love, he came and destroyed the punishment of sin because down at the very core, as John 4, 8 reminds us, anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because what? 
God is love. Again, one of the ways we see that if we know God, it'll be seen with how we interact with one another. You say that you love one another, but if you don't love God, you do not know what love is. I want to pause here for a second as we light these candles. So we, write, we light this last candle, love. Each one of these candles are pointing us to something. Each one of these candles, in and of themselves, without the center candle, means nothing. Each one of these candles is just an emotion that can come and go, but if it's not anchored in something, something that does not change, something is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you will just go off into your homes, whether you open presents here or there, whenever you open them, it'll just be one more thing, one more turn of the page, and it'll mean nothing at all until you pause and reflect and say, wait a minute. The center candle is what it's all about. All of these things, joy, hope, peace, and love, are pointing to the center candle and what the center candle is all about. The center candle is the Christ candle. The candle that we light tonight, that we're going to do here in a moment, and it's going to remind us of something. It's going to remind us that Christ came into a world, dark, dark world, a world that was pitch black in sin, and His light shined into the darkness, and the darkness could not even comprehend it. But it's amazing, and I want to spend a moment here amazing this whole idea of light. Now, we will not be able to do this because if you've ever had a chance to go into a cave, and we don't have any caves real close to us. If you've ever gone into a cave, and usually one of the things they do in a cave, they say, all right, everybody stand still, we're going to turn off all the lights. And when they turn off all the lights, you realize that you have never seen darkness like that before. It is so dark that you, uh, you can put your hand in front of your face and you can't see. All right, when that type of darkness is the type of darkness that we're talking about the world was in. There's not just a little glimmer of light in the corner. It is pitch black. But here's something that is interesting. The moment that they turn the lights back on the cave, you know what everybody does? Oh, boy, that's bright. Do you know what the world does when they see the light of the gospel? No, their initial response is what? No, because what does the gospel respond? It shows them that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And so what do people do that are of the darkness? Want to run from it. But the light will not be overcome by the darkness. And what we see in Jesus coming, that salvation will be accomplished through.